0: We are in Yavamos, Tazayin, Omed Aleph, 1682, in the arch Gemara. We mentioned in the last recording that Chagai Hanavi, one of the last Nevi one of the last prophets, he made three halakhic statements. The first one was about our discussion of Tzarus Habas, about the co-wife of a relative and the fact that we paskin, we hold like Beis Hillel. And now the Gemara is going to discuss The next two halachos So the Gemara says That the Jews who are living in the land of Ammon and Moab They give their Meiser Ani in the seventh year So just a little bit of an introduction uh, We have in Israel We have a seven year agricultural cycle uh, Where every seventh year is the Shemitah year it's the year where you're not allowed to work the land and not only are you not allowed to work the land but also any produce from the land that does not belong to the owner but it really belongs to the Jewish people as a whole and anybody could go ahead and uh, take the produce It it doesn't really belong to the owner anybody could go and take it and so there is concern that for every seventh year uh, because uh, it belongs to everybody, it belongs whether you're poor or whether you're wealthy. It doesn't make a difference. If the produce belongs to anybody. There was concern that the those that were poor they wouldn't get what they usually get with regards to charity. Uh, because uh, when it comes to giving to the poor, uh, every uh, every year there's a certain amount which is given to the poor. It's called leket shichacha bepeya. And also, on the third and sixth year, they also get more. They get or ani, which is ten percent of the produce is given to the poor. So there was concern that for the seventh year, that uh, they wouldn't uh, have enough food. And so, out of that concern, uh, so we're gonna, as we're gonna see in the Gemara, uh, the after in the times of the second base mikdash during the second temple. The Jews only conquered certain lands, they didn't conquer other lands. And the lands, in parts of the lands in which they didn't conquer, it didn't have the Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't have the same level of sanctity to the land of Israel. And so therefore, it really does not have the laws of Shavis, because it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the sanctity of the land of Israel it doesn't have the laws of shviz, and technically also, uh, and the shemitah year, so therefore you're allowed to work the land, but also because it doesn't have that sanctity, the rules of giving uh, from the produce to the poor, that also doesn't apply, because that only applies to with regards to the produce in the land of Israel, which has the sanctity of caduceus Eretz Israel, the same sanctity of Eretz Israel, but in these other lands, which they did not conquer during the second the times of the second temple, the second base of Mikdash, so it didn't doesn't have the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore it would not have the requirement to not work the land in the seventh year. But it also wouldn't have any of the laws of of giving to the poor from that produce. However, they established the takana. They established the decree that specifically in those lands, uh, there would be an obligation. To give to the poor, that you could a work the land, and therefore you'll have a, you'll have more produce, and that you should give it to the poor because they're not getting as much uh, produce from the rest from the rest of the of the land of Israel, which is which the that land which is uh, sanctified, which does have which does have kedushas uh, eretz Israel, and because they're not getting what they usually get on a normal year, they established that for those areas outside the land of Israel, which they didn't. Uh, officially conquer. there are Jews living there, but they did not officially conquer those lands, uh, and it doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael, So, therefore, they established that uh, the the produce, ten uh, percent of the produce, should go to the poor. So, let's see this inside. The Amar Mar, the reason behind this, and this is what Khagai said. That this is a ruling of the Chagai said that we should we should establish. Harbe kavshu ole Mitraim kavshu ole There are many lands which. The Jews during the first time when they went into the land of Israel, after leaving Egypt, leaving Mitzrayim, and they were there through for the next uh, for many years there, thereafter, approximately eight hundred years, where they uh, established also the base of Migdash. So there there were many lands that they conquered during that t- that conquest, which they didn't conquer when they went back to the land of Israel after being in exile in Babylon, ba- Babylonia. The was shown The of And when they went the first time, the sanctification of Eretz Yisrael was only uh, was limited in time. It was only during the time that the Jews were in the land. Once they were in, they, once they left, when they once they were exiled from the land of Israel, it lost its kedusha. It lost its sanctity, and the places which they didn't conquer the second time didn't have that sanctity of the land of Israel, and they specifically did this, they specifically left over some areas, so that they could work the land in the seventh year, so that the poor would be able to rely on it, for the seventh year, to have produce, because for the rest of the land of Israel, which was conquered, so then the produce, anything which was grown, again they didn't work the land, but anything that did grow, was... Equally, anybody, it was uh, anybody could take it. Whether you're whether you're poor, whether you're wealthy, anybody could take it. So they specifically left certain lands that they did not conquer, so that the poor could, as Rashi explains, a they could work the land, the poor people could work on that land, and b they'll also get mais or honey, they will get ten percent of the produce. Okay, and that was the second law that was stated by Chagai, Chagai the prophet. Law number three. The Gemara continues with law number three. <laughs> Chagai said that we could accept converts from the karduyim and the tarmudim. The, the reason why you might not accept them as converts, the concern, the potential concern, which Chagai is saying that is not a concern, the potential concern is that uh, really maybe they're already Jewish. We'll go into the specific cases as we go through the Gemara, but maybe they're, they're really... They're descendants from, from Jews, and these Jews they left their Judaism. They're still Jews, but they left their Judaism. They they intermarried, and then there's a concern that they themselves are mamzerim. We'll explain exactly how, probably in the next recording. But there's concern that they're mamzerim, and then if you accept them into the Jewish people, people aren't going to realize that they're mamzerim, and you're going to think. And there's concern that they'll marry somebody from the Jewish people, even though they are mamzerim. That's the concern. Haggai said that there's no concern. We're not concerned for this. And again, the reasoning behind this we'll probably discuss in the next recording. But he says you're allowed to accept them as converts from the karduyim and the tarmudim. There's no concern that they really came from Jews and they intermarried, and then they, there's concern that their children and these people currently are mamzerim. There's no, we don't have that. They're mamzer. There's no concern for that. So therefore you could accept them as Converts. So the Gemara asks, "Is this really true that you can accept them as converts?" But tani Rami Bar Yecheskel says, "In Gerim min ha kardumim, we do not accept them as converts." Seems to be a contradiction. Amravashi um, says, "Kartuyim in Mar. It wasn't. He wasn't referring to kardumim. He was referring to kartuyim. It was a different, a different group of people. Kidda Amri and Shem. There's a support for this idea. Kartuyim People say Kartuyim are the ones who are unfit. There's concern that the Kartuyim are unfit, that they are Mamzerim, and so therefore we won't accept them into the Jewish people out of concern that they're gonna marry uh, somebody from the Jewish people, and so therefore we won't uh, we won't convert them because they are really we, we are concerned that they do they they are descendants of Jews and that they are Mamzerim. Echidamri, another version for this whole discussion. Tani Rame Bar Yahesel and the common Garamina Kartuyim. Bar says that we don't accept converts from Kartuyim. Different than Kartuyim. Chagai was talking about Kartuyim. Rame Bar was talking about Kartuyim. So the Gemara asks, according to this version, My love, I knew Kartuyim, I Kartuyim. Aren't they the same people? The Gemara answers no. No, they're not the same people. Kartuye Luchod, v Luchod, Luchot v Kedam Rinchi. Kartuye Psili. No, these are two different people, as people say two are psilu; They are unfit. And we are concerned that they are mamzerim. Okay, that's the end of the first discussion with regards to this third ruling of Chagai. Another discussion. Rabbi Yochanan and Sabia, uh, two of the Amoraim from the times of the Gemara, they both said, Ein mekavm min har tarmodim. Now we're moving on to the uh, second group of people that Chagai was discussing. Not the Kartuyeim, but the Tarmudim. So Haggai said that we accept them as converts. Rabbi Yochanan and Sabia say that we don't accept them as converts. Seemingly against Haggai. So Tosus explains that it's not a, according to their opinion. They wouldn't argue on the prophet Haggai, uh, but they, they are of the opinion that Haggai never made such a statement. That's their position. Haggai never made it such a statement that you could accept them as converts. They're of the opinion that you cannot accept them as converts. So the Gemara has a question, did Rabbi Yochanan really say that you cannot accept the Tarmudim as converts? But we have the following Mishnah. So this is a Mishnah that is not about whether you could accept people as converts, it's a separate Mishnah, but the Mishnah says as follows, and this is what the, what the Mishnah is saying, this is a Mishnah that's found in the Maseches Nida, in tractate Nidah, in the laws of purification and impurity with regards to nida, with regards to uh, the blood from a period, and the law is that if it's any blood which is from uh, from a normal period, is impure. If it's found on clothing, it makes the clothing impure. It, it causes impurity. However, that's with regards to normal period. With regards to stains, just staining. So then if it's just staining, so then it does, it does uh, if, it, if, it, if it's blood which comes from a Jew, so then it does make the garment impure. The law is that if it comes from, if it's blood which comes from a non-Jew, if it's a normal period, uh, so then that does make it impure. But if it's from staining alone, so then the staining already is on a different level. And we say that that only makes it impure if it comes from a Jew, but not from a non-Jew. That's the law, that's the background. So the question that the Mishnah is discussing is, uh, the, the Mishnah is essentially discussing different people, do we assume that they're Jewish or they're not Jewish, if they're Jewish, so then the blood stains on a garment would make it impure, If it's just sta- even if it's just staining, it would still make it impure. If they're not Jewish, so then it would not make the garment impure. That's the discussion of the Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, according to the verse of Binna Abam in to Horim, if any bloodstains that are on the garment that come from a place called Rekem, they're all pure. It does not make it impure because we, get, we assume that the bloodstains are not coming from Jews, they're coming from the non Jews. Rabbi Huda argues on this opinion and says, Rabbi Huda argues and says that no, it is impure. Because even though they seem to be non-Jews, but really they converted. Their uh, their, their ancestors converted. And they left Judaism. After they converted, they, they left Judaism. Uh, at least uh, in practice they left Judaism. But they're still Jews. Even though they've left, they, they still are viewed as Jews. And because they're still viewed as Jews, even though they look like they they have nothing to do with Judaism, they still are Jews. And so therefore... The blood stains that are on their garments are still impure. That's what Yehuda says. But Rabbi Huda then concludes by saying, however, if we know that there are only non-Jews there in a, in, a, in a certain area, so then he agrees that if it's a stained garment, if it's just regular blood coming from just a stain, uh, so then it is tahor, it is pure. The garments are are pure. And we analyze this Mishnah. Turning on to Tazanam Beis. They analyze the Mishnah, but what's that referring to? Afilumina Tarmud. They add to the Mishnah and they say that what does it mean in this last name of Rabbi that there are amongst non Jews? It's referring to even from a place of Tarmud, which was our discussion of Rebbe Yochanan. From the place of Tarmud, we say that the bloodstains are that are on garments, that makes it that doesn't make the garment impure, it remains the garment remains pure. The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan says Zos the fact that uh, we say that the the blood stains on the garment it does not make the garment impure it remains pure that means Mekabeln Gerim Tarmud, that means that we could accept converts from Tarmud because we assume that the people from Tarmud are all that they're not Jewish so then you can accept them as Gerim the whole concern is that maybe they are Jewish and if they're Jewish so then as we'll explain tomorrow there's a concern that maybe the the children are Mamzerim. Uh, but no, there is no such concern. We assume that they're, they're all non-Jewish, and then you can accept them as converts. But that seems to be a contradiction to what Rabbi Yochanan just said. We just quoted Rabbi Yochanan to say that we're not allowed to accept them as converts, people that come from Tarmud. Well, we hear Rabbi Yochanan saying that we do accept them as converts, like what Khagai said. So how do you explain this contradiction? So the Gemara says, oh, maybe you'll say as follows, Uh, Maybe Rabbi Yochanan, the Gemara says, maybe Rabbi Yochanan was just explaining the Mishnah. But he himself doesn't follow that position of the Mishnah. Meaning he was saying that according to that Mishnah, it's true you could accept converts from Tarmud. But I disagree. I disagree. I follow a different opinion. The Gemara says, no, we can't say such a thing because Rabbi Yochanan says elsewhere that we follow a Mishnah We follow the Stam Mishnah If we don't know who the author is So he says that we follow That Mishnah So he seems to follow uh, That Mishnah Which says that we're, we, The people from Tarmud Are not Jewish We assume that they're not Jewish And then you could convert them so, the, so we seem to have a contradiction We go back to the contradiction And the Gemara explains No There's a dispute amongst Amaraim, Amongst those from the time period of the Gemara, As to what exactly did Rabbi Yochanan say so it was unclear what did Rabbi Yolchanan say. Did Rabbi Yolchanan say that we could accept them as converts, or did Rabbi Yolchanan say that we cannot accept them as converts? Okay, and that concludes that discussion. The Gemara, the, well, as we'll learn in the next recording, the Gemara is going to go on to discuss what exactly is the concern here. Why would you accept them as converts? Why would you not accept them as converts? What's the concern? Why wouldn't you accept them as converts? So that we'll see uh, in the next recording.